Praise God. It's so good to be able to be here and to be able to share with you these moments in the Word of God. I want to invite you to go to the book of Titus, if you would please, the book of Titus. And we're going to be looking into adorning the church, adorning the bride, beautifying the bride for that day, the day of the wedding. Um, I, one, one of the most special events in the life of anyone is the wedding day. If you recall your wedding day, you can imagine, you recall the expectation, the anticipation, the months of preparation. I mean, um, all the details, whether it is the banquet, the receptions, whether the decoration, whether it is uh, what you're going to wear, the color scheme, all of these, the invitation, the, send, the sending out of invitation, the program, the music, the rehearsals, the vows, the rings, all of these things. And when the wedding day come, all the anticipation and excitement from the family and friends, everybody waiting for that day. Um, a lot of people, you know, go out and um, you, you, you wear your best, your best that day. Some will go and even buy new clothes, new, new, new shoes um, to come to the wedding day, new dress, the ladies especially. Everyone try to come well dressed up to a wedding. I really have not seen, or maybe I have, someone who would show up at a wedding in t-shirts, shorts, and sandals. That's kind of like, you know, kind of weird. Most of us will dress up because it's an important day. It's a very important and special day. Um, during the wedding ceremony, um, you know, everybody is there, and there is one person, everyone, Everyone is waiting to see. Everyone is excited to see. Who is that? The groom. No, not really. <laughs> not the groom. Not the groom. The groom where we just stand there in our tuxedos looking good, but and people and will come and say hi and hello and so on. But they're not expecting. We, we, we are not the most important of that day. Everyone is awaiting when that door is open and you see the bride. Look at the bride, and then you can hear that gasp, like, ah, oh, because a woman is so beautiful that wedding day. I remember my wedding day, and when they opened the door, and I saw my wife, I saw Julia walking down the aisle with her dress, and my mouth was open. I was like, couldn't stand it with my mouth open. My mother, who was standing, was sitting in the front, she started telling me, Ray, close your mouth. Ray, close your mouth. Like I was so excited. I was in awe. She was so beautiful. It was amazing. You know, that moment when she walked down the aisle. And I, I, I don't know of any woman on their wedding day will wait half an hour before the wedding to just put on the dress and go to and go to the church. No woman would do that. The process of the beautification of the bride takes hours. 
In some cases, it takes days. I mean, you got to pick out the dress that look right, and that takes some weeks prior to the wedding. You got to, and you try on one and two and three. Some we try on many dresses until they find the right dress. Then the hairdo. I know of, of a woman that will try out three, four, five this different hairdos to see which style will correspond to the dressing, which style they look, be- look better. Then they got to go the pedicure, then the manicure, then the, um, um, what is it they do on their face? Um, the makeup, <laughs> the makeup. And you got to try different makeups and different colors and all these things. Then you have to get something new, something borrowed, something old, according to some tradition. And then the day off, I mean, they wake up early and they start that beautification process that take hours. And the last thing that you put on is that dress. And no one should touch the dress. No one come near to that dress. I mean, that dress is protected by, 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 um, by armed bodies, you know, because you are not, no woman will walk down the aisle with a dress with a stain or wrinkle or tore. It's just not going to happen. I mean, that wedding going to have to wait a few hours until they find another dress, okay? Because she want to come down that aisle looking the best she can. For the groom. And that's the reason that's the most special moment when the bride shows up and walks down that aisle. The Bible tells us that we are the church, we are the bride of, the, of Jesus. The church is Jesus' bride. And that He wants to present her, present her to Himself, a church without blemish, with no wrinkle, a sanctified church, a holy church. He wanted to present her, present her to himself. In the book of Titus, um, Paul wrote to this preacher, to this pastor, who he have left in, in, the, in the region of Crete to put in order things that were going on in that church, in that region. It was not an easy task. It was not an easy task. But in this short letter... It's a three-chapter letter. It's an easy read. In fact, I want to encourage you after this message, I hope you will take the time, less than an hour. I mean, it will take you to read um, the letter completely. You will see how Paul instructs Titus in what he was supposed to teach and emphasize in the church to those believers in Crete for them to adorn the sound doctrine of the Lord Jesus. Because things have creeped into the church from, from their culture and it was damaging especially the families of the church. Go if you would please with me to chapter 1 for a moment. Chapter 1. And we're going to browse so some of the things that Paul tells him in that he got to look out, and then we'll go to our text in chapter 2. In chapter 1, after he introduced himself, he says in chapter 1, verse 3, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching which, which I have been entrusted by the command of God or Savior. Paul is saying to Titus that he'd been instructed and he'd been entrusted to preach the word, preach the gospel. 
and he, 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 he going to instruct Titus in the same. Look at what he says in verse 5. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Titus have a very difficult and but important assignment. He was supposed to go and put in order the things in that church in Crete that were um, um, failing. And also, he was supposed to appoint elders or pastors in the church, leaders in the church. And he's going to tell him why. All right, after that, from verse 6 all the way to verse 9, he gave titles, the qualifications of the type of man that he should look for to be the pastor, the leaders, the elders of the church. And these qualifications are very similar, in fact, a little more in depth than what he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Then look at verse 9, if you would please. Verse 9. When talking about the preacher, the, the pastor, he said he must all firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict. The theme that you're going to see over and over repeated in the book as titles is this theme of sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. He wanted men that were able to use the word to teach the word in order to train and to teach sound doctrine and to be able to rebuke, rebuke those who contradict. Because you see, there were those, there were some that were men that creep into the church that were teaching false doctrine. False doctrine. In fact, in verse 10, he goes to explain, for there are many who are insurbinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Wow. There were Men that went in and, and listened to what he says there, they're upsetting whole families. You know, one of the main targets in a church from the, of the enemy are the families. Upset the families. Um, attack the families. Divide the families. And in the church of Crete, that what was going on. These men were teaching for gain, the false doctrine, and upsetting whole families. In fact, it gave a description of what was the culture that were developed from their culture into the church. Look at verse 10, verse 12. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, somebody that they saw as prophet, said their own people, this is how they describe themselves. Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And verse 13, Paul said, this testimony is true. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine? That was 
the description of their culture, the type of people that were at Crete. So Titus have a very, very difficult job. He said, therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. The challenge there is because they were going after myths. They were going, say, you, if you see that at the beginning in verse 9, it said, especially those of the Jewish party and those of the circumcision that were trying to infiltrate the church with going back to the rudiments of tradition mixed with all the cultural issues that the Cretans had. Towards the end of chapter 1, this is, what, this is how he described them. They, prof- they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and fit for any good work. Those were the men, the people that were as teachers, infiltrating and upsetting the church. But then he's going to change and he's going to tell titles. He's going to give him, and I love this part in chapter 2, because he's going to give him the description of the church of sound doctrine within the church, how it plays out, how it looks like, and how the church, by practicing sound doctrine, will adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ just as a bride, will beautify the church. You see, one of the things we think about, when we, two things here, when we think about sound doctrine, most of the time we think about, you know, Theology. Theology. Most of the time we think about theology. When we think about sound doctrine, we think of the Hebrews, uh, the Hebrew and the Greek and, and the words and the things that are preached. Even though that is so, but in reality, what we're going to see here, what Paul tells titles to preach and to insist in sound doctrine is not so much in the intellectual knowledge but more so in the lifestyle of those who are part of the church because you see our lifestyle sound doctrine is reflected in the lifestyle of those who are part of the church what beautified the church is sound doctrine manifested in the lifestyle of the believers that part of the church that's what beautified the church Sometimes we're so worried about impressing folks with the beauty of our auditorium or the beauty of grounds or the um, excellence in, 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 our sound system, in our sound system or the musicians. And even though all these things are good, if there is one thing a church is, 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 is beautiful, 
and can adorn the sound doctrine, the doctrine of the Lord Jesus is the lifestyle of the people who form that church. When people come into the church, let, us not, let, let them not go out impressed because of the decoration of the building. Let them not, let them not go impressed because of, of, of the grounds. Let them not go impressed because of all the sound and the music, but let them walk away impressed because of the people. The people. The families of that church. In chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Paul is going to tell Titus to, do a, to, to make a contrast, to teach and insist in a contrast that God will be given in the church of Jesus Christ there in the town of, of Crete. He's saying, verse 1, but as for you, but as for you, teach that accord with sound doctrine. And then he's going to describe and he's going to separate how sound doctrine look like in the church. Older men, verse 2, are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-control, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. You see, he's going to begin by saying... This is how sound doctrine look like. And he's going to talk to each group that form the church. Beginning with the men. Beginning with the men. Older men is not only talking about, you know, gray hair. He's not talking about, you know, only about um, people that are, how can I say, um, older than I am. <laughs> you know, talking about that, I kind of like the setup of the program t- tonight. You know, it started from oldest to youngest. Pastor Dave, S- Sundu, DeGraff, then me. From the 70s to the 30s. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But older men, older men. You see, men in the church ought to be an example. We are called to be first the example. Sound doctrine with us men are to be seen as men who are sober-minded, that conduct ourselves with dignity, self-control, sound in the faith, sound in, sound in love, and sound in steadfastness. That this start not just in the church, the reality, what he's going to target here, you know what it is? The families. The families. That it is called upon me as a man, as a Christian man, to be godly and to be a leader, not just in church, but first of all, at home. At home. To be that type of example to my wife and to my children. To love them in that way. To be the example of patience there. And here is where the beautification of the church, of the bride start. When men play the role that we're supposed to. But the beautification of the church does not stop there. It goes on in verse 3. And say, older woman, 
Likewise, just as the men, just as the men are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the younger women to love their husband and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husband, that the word, listen to this, that the word of God may not be reviled. Is there any doubt that he's looking into families here? And that's the reason the instructions start with the men and then with the woman? There is no doubt. Women, older women also ought to be an example. Older women have to be those that are set up to be an example that are able to teach that which is good. To train younger women. I know we live in a day that um, folks want to live their own life and not be bothered or don't bother someone else. But you know what? When you're part of a church, when you're part of a family, when you're part of a body of Christ, according to the book of, Corinth, of, of Ephesians, we all connected in this. We're all part of the body. My works, your works help the body to grow and help the body and help as a body, as a church, for the bride to look good. When I think a passive behavior, a passive attitude in good works within the church, within the body, uh, 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 in reality, what I'm doing is I'm not helping the bride in the beautification process. And women play a very, very important role. I love the part where he says there to train the young woman to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home. I remember this lady. I've been going to Peru for the last 22 years. And I remember this lady. Today, I had to preach down in Peru via video because today that particular church... Um, what you call it? Um, anniversary. Today, they're 20, they're, they are 24 years anniversary. So they asked me to preach. So I was able to preach via video. And I remember, I known the church for 22 years. I remember this old lady. She's always there, maybe half an hour before church starts. She set up the tables. She's in charge to greet. She's a greeter. So she always at the door, greeting people, giving out the, the program, helping people sit. She cleaned the bathrooms and keep everything in check for the visitors when they come to find everything good. She's been there at that position for the last 22 years, as long as I know her. Most likely since she, the church started. She's been faithful there. She's a little, little, tiny old lady. I mean, she was old when I met her. 22 years later, she's older. But she's there. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? That old lady have so much experience and walk with the Lord 
that she can, yeah, she might not know the, the how to work a computer. She might even never know to work a phone. But I guarantee you, she know her way in her Bible and how to trust the Lord and walk with the Lord and be faithful to the Lord. Old ladies, the older woman, I will be an example to the younger ones. How to be a wife, how to be a mother. There is nothing wrong, even though popular and modernism and feminism want to say that it's wrong or it's, or it's demeaning for a woman to learn how to take care of a house or take care of a husband or take care of her children or know how to cook and do all those things. That's wrong. And probably it's the fault of men that have not given women the credit or the value that they deserve. But there is nothing wrong with that. It's something to be applauded, especially when is a woman that is serving the Lord. You know, set up the example. Set up the example. That younger women can look at you and say, I want to be like such lady. This is how you take care of home. This is how you love your husband. This is how you love your children and you train them. Let's continue on before my time is up. Look what he says. Verse 6. Likewise, urged younger men, now he's talking to the youth, to be self controlled. Show yourself in all respect to be a model of good works. And in all your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot become them, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Listen to he said, not about you. Nothing evil to say about us. Paul include himself there. Because you see, when you're part of a church, when you're part of a body of Christ, when you're part of the bride, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. It's about us. And young people, likewise, and to look up and follow the example of those that are adults. Folks, the, the older men and the older women have to set themselves as a model for the young people. I remember my days when I was a youth. This year, I, was, uh, I got 40, 40 years since I've been saved. 40 years. I got to know the Lord when I was 10 years old. And I was part of a small church when it, when it all began. And I remember that church became my family. My siblings came and then my mom. And it was the type of church that, I mean, if you were not walking straight, somebody is going to come talk to you. Somebody, some adult, one of the men from the church, one of the women of the church. My mother was one of those ladies, Miss Irma. I mean, when I was growing up, none of my friends liked my mother. Because my mother would get in your face and in your business no matter who you are. If she were walking down the street and you were there in bad company, she would walk up to you, call you over, and take you home. I remember she's done that with, with you know, there were 15, I was 15, my friend was 16 and 17. She did not care, especially they were from the church. Remember, you're a Christian. And she would use the Bible. I remember one time, one of the young ladies from the church, she had a relationship that she didn't have had. My mother invited her home and sat her down and sat me down. 
and tell her, she tell her name, that, that boy that you are dating is not good for you. But Miss Irma, I love him. Listen to my testimony. And for the first time, I was about 17 years old. I heard my mother gave the testimony to this young lady, how she got pregnant with me. Oh, she, not li- oh, she did not listen to our mother, and she got with my father, and she got pregnant with me. Oh, she got to get married even before she was graduated in, 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 in high school. And her life was tough, having a baby, having to study and work, and then having to take care of me. And she told that young lady, don't do it. Don't make that mistake. You know the Lord. You know the Bible. She told that young lady this. I hope I was in a church like you are and someone would have told and I would have known the Lord at that age. I wouldn't have made so many mistakes. I was in shock and my mother was telling this, late, this young lady this. Well, she didn't listen. She got pregnant. A year later, she got pregnant again. But I still remember the day she came back coming to my mother crying, saying sorry, and asking for help. Over the years, my mother become one of our best friends, even till the day she died, so a few months ago last year. You know, it is important for the youth to be in a church where men and women, where they can see their families, a lot of what I do today or I've done over 22 years of marriage, it was not because of the example I saw at my home because my home was not a Christian home. It was because of what I saw in the pastors, the missionary, and some of the men in the church that I remember. So when I formed my family, I say to myself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice and do and copy what I saw these men and these families do. do. And listen to what he said at the end. So that an opponent, verse 8, so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Do we forget that we have an opponent that the sole purpose of that opponent is to destroy the church? Do we forget to that opponent that that opponent what is looking for to hurt your family, hurt your marriage, hurt your children, hurt the bride, stain the bride? So all the men, all the women, and the young working together, growing together. Practicing sound doctrine that go more than what you will learn of Greek and Hebrew, but practicing sound doctrine. And by doing this, adorning, I mean making that bride beautiful for wedding day. But then Paul add one more group <laughs> here in this, in this passage. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. Bone servants are so be submissive to their own masters. Bone servants is talking about slaves. In everything, they are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith. Hold on there. Let me just pose this question before we finish that verse. 
Do you and I realize, or do you realize that your performance as a worker is also a testimony of Jesus Christ and also a testimony of the church? Is it what? Yeah. It should never be said of the Christian, oh, they are the ones that are lazy. They're the one that only that doesn't take half an hour lunch, they take an hour, hour and a half. They are the one that always cutting corners or go or take 45 minutes back bathroom breaks. No. My performance as a worker, my performance in my job as a boss, as a supervisor, or, a, or just a worker is also is also an example. And a testimony of Jesus and also of the church. Because guess what? Your friends, my friends, your neighbors, my neighbors. People that sometimes we don't even know are watching. Are they, are they watching or not? What do you think? They're watching. And they're not going to say just, oh, look at Ray. Oh, Look at Steve. Oh, oh, look at Dave. They're not just going to say that. You know what they're going to say? They're going to say, oh, look at Ray. And you know what? He go to church. You know what? He's a Christian. And we see him walk with the Bible. Every Sunday, come out and drive to that church. Uh, you know the church that is in Coosa Road, the big white church? He go to that church. So my works... It are not only a testimony of Jesus Christ, but it's also a testimony of the church where I belong. Look how that verse ends. So that in everything they may what? Adorn. Adorn the doctrine of God or Savior. Adorn the doctrine. Because you see, the doctrine is not just what we know about theology. The doctrine is our action. What beautify, what adorn the church is sound doctrine that is lived out in the life of the believers who are part of it. And this beautification process that you and I should be striving for every single day is in order to be prepared for a wedding day. Wedding day. Do you expect to be in part of the wedding day as a believer, as a church? The book of Revelation said that one day the church is going to be walking down the aisle to meet the groom. And someday wedding day is coming. Our devotion, our dedication, our passion, our energy, our talents and give, our all effort ought to be to make the bride as beautiful as she can be for that day. I want to invite you to go back and read the letter. Sound doctrine that adorned the church, the lifestyle, the conduct, 
the good works of the believers that are part of it. And God help us for you and I to be following through sound doctrine in everything that we do. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Help us, Lord, to beautify the church, your church, your church, to follow, God, the instructions given in your word to make this church beautiful for you, that the day that wedding day come, it will be a glorious church for your honor and your glory. Thank you for dying for the church. Thank you for giving yourself for the church. No sacrifice is so great for you and for your church because you have given it all for us. Thank you for your word. Be with us this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.